Well, my friends, in our gospel today, um, we have one of these tough teachings of our Lord. And in reality, it's all the more difficult in our generation um, where the divorce rate, particularly in our nation, is so high and how many of us uh, don't know someone or are not personally affected um, by the reality of divorce uh, in our society, in our culture, and just its prevalence. And so our Lord's teachings... Uh, they seem kind of harsh. They seem very difficult. I think what's important is to say, first, that's not something new. Uh, how new, it's not new that these are difficult. In fact, the apostles have to ask him about it a second time. Hey, what you seem to be saying is a little tough. Yes, Jesus double down, doubles down on it. Yes, but I mean it because it's rooted in reality. Uh, the reality of marriage and the indissolubility of marriage is a truth of reality. It was created by God in the garden. God created them, male and female. Now, here's an interesting point from that first reading, going back to the book of Genesis. When God created humanity, uh, the words that we use in Hebrew are a little interesting. Uh, first, God creates Hadam, a human being. But then that Hadam is broken into Ish and Isha, the man and the woman. That neither one of them in their totality make up all of human nature. No. Rather now there's a complementarity. That neither one of them are complete humanity encapsulated. But there's now this complementarity between man and woman. And that is ordered toward a unity. The unity of marriage. Now, here's another very interesting point. Uh, just because it seems that uh, Eve is kind of second class to Adam, that's not the case at all. It's a cool little detail that God creates Eve out of Adam's rib, right? If God would have created Eve out of Adam's foot, then yeah, you could say Adam is superior to Eve. If God would have created Eve out of Adam's head, then you'd say Eve is superior to Adam. But rib, right by the side. They're meant to be a side-by-side -side partnership. And anywhere in culture or history that we've seen the dominance of men over women in a subservient way, uh, that is not intended from the beginning. Male and female, meant to be a side-by-side -side partnership. An equality, that's intended from the beginning. And the union intended by God is from the beginning. And so the Pharisees are asking, well, you know, is it okay to get divorced? And even Moses said it was okay to write a bill of divorce. And Jesus says, yeah, but it wasn't what was intended in the beginning. He was there. Jesus was there. This wasn't the plan from the beginning. We need to be called to something higher. We need to be called to that greater fidelity. And again, this is not a judgment on any. It's not meant to be judgmental or condemnatory. It's meant to say we need to be called to something higher. We need to be called to a higher standard. Uh, and that our God should rightly do that, right? I don't want a God who just pats me on the back and tells me whatever I'm doing is fine. Just like if I'm the Boston Red Sox this morning, I don't want a manager who's going to pat me on the back and say, it's fine. Well, no, don't worry. You, you tried. Like, no, do better. You got it. If I'm David Price, like even more so. David, it's fine. No, you are a multi-million dollar winning starter. You got to go more than an inning and a half. 
Um, it's pretty bad if we want just people to always tell us, yep, you're fine just the way you are. I want a God who says, I love you the way you are. I love you, but let's keep striving for something greater. Let's keep trying to get better. Let's not move the goalposts so we can just feel good about ourselves. Rather, I love you enough to call you to greatness. That's the thing about our God, and that's the teaching of the church. I love you enough to call you to greatness. And our God says, even when you may not like me for it, even when, you may, even when we may not like the teaching, our God loves us enough to call us to greatness. Marriage. The reality of marriage. Marriage is so much um, under attack. And there are even those, I'm sure you know, in the church who are continually trying to change what we teach about the permanence of the marriage bond. Marriage, the union between one man and one woman faithfully for life, for the entirety of life. And this is based in the reality of what marriage is. You see, we call marriage a covenant. We call marriage a covenant. And that's not just churchy language for a contract. A covenant is different from a contract. A contract is a 50-50 agreement, right? So in a contract, you do your part, I do my part. Sarah is our contracted music director. If she shows up to work, she gets paid. If she doesn't show up, she doesn't get paid. It's a contract. It's 50-50. You do your part, we do our part. And we have that mutual agreement. Again, we have social contracts. I go to Barnes & Noble, I want to get a book. If I walk out the store without paying for the book, I didn't do my part, I get arrested. Or maybe just banned from Barnes & Noble forever. 50-50. Pay this amount of money, you get to take the merchandise home. You don't pay, you don't get the merchandise. You pay, you should actually get the merchandise, the store can't keep it. It's a contract. Marriage is not a contract. It's not a 50-50 arrangement. We call marriage a covenant. The covenant of holy matrimony. In marriage, each party is responsible for 100% of the thing. Each party is responsible for 100%. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. Each party is responsible for 100% of the relationship. Luckily, they're married to someone else who's also responsible for 100% of the relationship. What this means is when couples promise, I promise to be faithful to you in good times and bad, in sickness and in health. If you can't do your part anymore, I will continue to do the fullness of married fidelity. Right? If because of debilitating sickness, I had um, a great uncle or a great aunt who suffered from dementia for many, many years, and she didn't, at a certain point, she didn't know who she was anymore. She had no, she was nonverbal, she didn't know who anyone was, she didn't know who she was. And her husband, my great uncle, was by her side every single day. It's not a contract. She wasn't doing her part. He stayed faithful for both of them. He stayed faithful. Each party responsible for 100%, 100%. That's the goal. That's the beauty. That's the ideal. Yes, it's something that we often fall short of, but we shouldn't stop striving for it. We shouldn't change the goalposts. Rather, we continue to strive. And why? And this is the final point. Marriage was raised by our Lord Jesus Christ from just a natural institution at creation to a sacrament. To a sacrament. 
which means that it's meant to be a sign of something else. On top of all the goods of fidelity in that lifelong union, marriage is meant to be a sign of something else. It's a sign of the love of Jesus Christ for his church. Above all, Jesus is faithful. Jesus has made a covenant with us. He's promised to be faithful to his church. And so the fidelity of marriage is meant to be a sign of the fidelity of Jesus toward his church. And look, don't we know this in America right now? The church has messed up plenty. The church is continually, members of the church, have continued to do bad things. But our Lord Jesus will never abandon us. Jesus is never going to divorce his church. He's going to stay faithful. Our Lord Jesus stays faithful to his church. And his church, as weak as she is, strives to stay faithful to him. And so this teaching of our Lord is rooted in that reality. It's meant to call us to greatness. Now again, there are situations in the modern world where things break down. And it's not the civil divorce that is the, that's the sin. It's not the civil divorce that's wrong. Uh, I had to recently had a family member uh, whose wife refused any kind of fidelity. She was going to do whatever she wanted with whoever she wanted. And so he asked me, like, am I sinning by seeking a divorce? You know, my son can't live up, grow up in this kind of environment. No, no. But you stay faithful to her. Even if civilly things get broken off, you need to stay faithful to that relationship. The civil divorce isn't the problem. Our Lord says... Whoever divorces his wife and marries another, or if she divorces her husband and marries another. It's the remarriage, it's that new relationship um, that causes the problems. That's where we get into the realm of um, sin and difficulty. My friends, this is tough, but we have a God who loves us enough to give us these tough teachings. We have a God who loves us enough to tell us the truth, rather than sometimes telling us what we want to hear. The beauty of marriage as he created it is a great goal for which we should all strive. It's something that we should respect and uphold. And so by God's grace today, may we continue to promote the beauty and the dignity of marriage so that it may more effectively be for all of us that great sign of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ for us, his most holy church.